Hello and welcome back to Smurls Travel Filmcast, the only filmcast that, well, we take we trash a lot of movies. I'm I'm your host Justin Boyles. I'm your co-host Elliot Boxel, and today we we're reviewing the Chronicles of Narnia. Now we have quite some radical opinions on this movie, and we ain't talking skaters. So let's hop right into it. Justin, give me some actors, give me some names. Yes, Narnia, The Lion, the Wish, and the Wardrobe. It was director is Andrew Adamson, who also made Shrek. The actors... thing, we've also done the Shrek podcast. You know, you can just watch this the previous episode and get that. Uh, shout out to the last episode. Yes, the good episode of Shrek. The cast. So the main people is William Mosley as Peter Pevensey, Anna Popplewell as Susan Pevensey, Skander Keynes as Edmund Pevensey, and Georgie Henley as Lucy Pevensey. The four protagonists of the movie. So, it starts off in Britain where the places is mandatorily being airstriked because it is World War II. Now, their parents decide to send them off, and they send them off to a professor's house. And this professor's house is, has, like, a really mean lady. What's his name, Lily's name again? Miss McReady, I think. I, I believe so. We're just going to call him Mean Professor Lady. Mean Professor Lady has a stick up her butt, and she doesn't like these kids. These kids don't like her much either. So they, they they get situated into their new home. Now in this new home, there still happens to be a, uh, a wardrobe. Now they play some hide and seek, and this small girl Lucy decides to wander into the wardrobe and hide there for hide and seek. She backs up, and then backs up more. Then again, and then another time, and then before you know it, she falls on her ass, and then she has she's covered in the snow, and she realizes she's in a completely different place. What's this place? It's the magical land of Narnia. In a forever winter that has been lasting for a hundred years. The um, so what happens in it is that apparently the, the Aslan, the king of the king of Narnia, has been has been gone for some time, and there's been this is the evil white witch Jadis who tur- uh, who you know took over as the tyrannical leader of Narnia. So during this time, she finds Tumnus, who is a what's his race? A fawn. He's a fawn. A goat-deer-like creature. Yeah, so he's a fawn, goat-human, like, mishmash, and he takes Lucy and they start talking. You know, they, they aren't doing half bad. Some kids in our class say, like, they're, they're a couple or some garbage like that. So he takes to their house, and they discuss something over tea, and, like, he goes, some of this goes over, like, the stuff that's been going down. Like, he gives us some backstory, some insight. Now... Doing this, he realizes he almost kidnapped this child, and because she, the, they put so much, like, emphasis on son of Adam, that that's supposed to show in the prophecy, which has a bunch of deep magic wish wash plot. So basically, the deep magic cites that two, uh, two sons of Adams and two daughters of Eve will sit upon a four thrones, and when they do this, uh. Wasn't it something like the evil witch would die? Or it was something that something the, the never, ever, never ending winter will cease. The peace will be brought back to Narnia. To Narnia. So during during this time, because of this, uh, Thomas freaks out like, oh, oh no, I've kidnapped this child. And then she goes back in. She goes back to her actual like the real world, not the wardrobe. And she realizes it's, it's only been a couple minutes instead of being like I don't know, maybe a whole day in there. So. No one believes her, and her brothers sees, brothers and sisters sees her religiously. And uh, one one day, Lucy shows Edmund this, and like 
they go in, they discuss this, they meet the, uh, Edmund meets the evil Ice Queen, which she'll later become acquainted with even further, and uh, eventually the Ice Queen tells her to seek him, or tells him to seek her out once all this is over. Chelsea? Yes. And so there, as he enters Narnia, he is he's stopped by this little carriage where this very white, pasty woman known as Jadis. No one really knows her last name, but we just call her the Ice Queen or the White Witch, Jadis. Excuse me. Um, so she's, she pretty much manipulates Edmund into thinking that, oh, hey, you know, help me, help me out with this and I will give you anything you want. As she does give him hot chocolate through this chalice that this little dwarf chucks it at the tree and explodes like snow. So then, yeah, and also Turkish Storts and other stuff happened. And uh, basically, my boy's sipping for some ice coochie. It's simple as that. So after he's done simping, he decides to go back to his sister, discusses it, go back to the real world, and then he, he's, he just decides to deny that anything happened. Eventually, they, all four of them, all the kids, Lucy, Edmund, Susie, and Peter, all decide to go into the wardrobe. So they're, they're all in Narnia now. And they decide to uh, go to Tom. This Tom, this has been captured by the White Witch, and uh, they all get, yeah, they all go to the uh, to a beaver's house. Well, what happens before this? Uh, that's, that's pretty much it. I think they're being they're being attacked by white wolves. They're being attacked by white wolves because they that Tom this one says like the trees have eyes or something. So they're being attacked by white wolves, and they have they find a pair of magical beavers that leads them to a path of safety leads them to their home, and, you know, they have some banter. They're, it's a pretty cute character design, at the very minimum. But other than that, it starts to become boring a little bit, but they leave them to the house, and this this house, not bad, but Edmund decides to sneak out. This is where he fulfills his role as a Judas character. He goes to the Ice Queen, realizes that she's horrible, uh, broke her promise of bringing the other three to the Ice Queen, and gets imprisoned. And there he meets Tumnus, who also... Just so happens to be, like, in prison because, you know, we, we had that earlier. And they send the wolves and the dwarves to go hunt down the rest. Yes. And so as this is happening, as Cumnus has been frozen, and that Edmund is supposed to be frozen also, he then... Oh yeah, I forgot that man gets bodied. Then Edmund decides to give out more information, thus her sending the wolves to the beaver home. In which... So after he snitched like six nine, <laughs> continue. Okay, after the man snitched like six nine, he basically uh led them on like a beaten path, and they all tried to run. And there was this jack. Was it a jackal character? It's a fox. It was a fox character. I was playing too much Halo. Okay, so it was a fox character that basically led them. On the beaten path, and then the beavers have them the rest of the way. Winter's starting to disappear around this area, but eventually they're still on the path, and they're they're this close to being captured. But eventually, they find a man, a man with a sack, a man with a white beard, man with some red clothes, King of Winter himself, Santa Claus appears and gives them the strap. So they get a hero king sword and like a he a cool shield. Lucy gets a potion that literally cures any injury with a single drop that has a multi the fully filled potion. And then uh Susie gets like a bow and arrow. Just a bow and arrow. So pretty Nothing much, else. It's similar to the story of King Arthur, to where he has the Excalibur and the Private Shield. 
pretty much Susie gets like the fail not bow, and well, Lucy just gets a magical potion that's called pot convenience. Yeah, so the fail not also shout outs three houses, and uh, it does nothing. It's just literally just a fucking bow and arrow, and the the swords also just like it's kind of magical, but it's not entirely. So they go up on their beaten path. They find centurions and a bunch of other people that are on Aslan's side. Eventually, the the four of them. Well, wait. Doesn't Mister Mister Beaver make a sacrifice first? No, no one makes sacrifice. The only person that sacrifices is Aslan. The best for best for the future. Okay, and okay. That's in a few minutes. So after they get led on the beaten path, they find a bunch of centurions, a race of bunch of warriors, and these dudes look like they're ready to fight. So he gets led to them, and this, lo and behold, this is the troops run by Aslan. They request to see Aslan, and Aslan walks, off, walks out. Justin? Walks out, and then next thing you know, he recites the prophecy, everyone meets, and then they go to find Edmund after they start talking and saying, like, oh, hey, we're part of prophecy. You guys are important, and so is Edmund. We must get Edmund from the... The, uh, what's the, I'm trying to find it. The find the magic? Yeah, I guess the, the, the magic, yeah. Like, the, um, the trap, the spell under, like, to get Edmund under, out of, under the Ice Witch's spell. And so, as hmm. they confront the Ice Witch, turns out that she, you know, that he's a traitor, Asin then says, starts to negotiate with the Ice Witch. And what they both come to terms with is that they're going to sacrifice Aslan on the stone tablet. As part of the deep magic, which is kind of like the whole law of the universe of Narnia. It's basically just a way for the uh, the story writers to say, hey, this happens because plot convenience, instead of saying, oh, yeah, there's some deep magic. What is it? I don't know. It's just deep magic. So, basically, Aslan gets, is starting to be brought up. And, well, Lucy and Susie overlook this and hear something in the middle of the night. They both walk, rush out. They see Aslan being dragged out of his tent by the entire enemy force. Well, along with no, the no. They, he didn't get dragged okay. out. Oh, yeah, no. You're right, you're right, you're right. Okay, Aslan, they see Aslan walking on, like, a, a forest path. They go to, con- they comfort him. They comfort him a little bit, and then he goes off his path. They, they, we find the stone table here, and lo and behold, there is the Ice Queen on the top of that. Aslan walks over there and willingly gives himself up before, after, like, right after saying, do not cite the deep magic to me, which I am, that was there when it was written. And then, uh, after that, he got zero to death, he got murked, he just, he perished, he got sacrificed on the table. They, they maimed him, they basically humiliated him in front of the other two. They, they have a super emotional cry scene, we go to the third act. Now, basically, plot convenience, Aslan gets revived, because, uh, movie logic. There's, well, the I was just deep was magic. Pure, that's why. Since then, yeah, so he was you, not the traitor. He before it was, yeah. Sorry, it was a pure sacrifice. Pretty much reenacting like the whole Jesus Christ after being crucified. He came back saying, "Hey, yo, what's up? Rip up those friars. We're about to storm the Romans." Because this time, and, that Romans, it's polar bears. Yeah, they got the, they got that. They had this huge war that basically didn't matter at the very end because it's just troops that we didn't care about. There's like small characters that we saw throughout the film, but really it didn't add much importance. They have this semi cool battle scene, and at the very end of this, uh, Edmund gets injured. Hurts. 
He is gonna die! Oh no, he's gonna die! He got stabbed mercilessly! 28 stab wounds happened, and this man's like, bleeding out, he's going to die. What's that? Oh, plot convenience! Lucy has a potion that heals any wound, but making everything entirely worthless, making him a flawed character still. If they killed him off, it would've probably- No, actually, Justin, that's pretty much the rest of it. The the rest of them get get crowned king and queen. No, no, hold up. The rest of them get crowned king and queen. So, that's pretty much it. They, they grow old and then they come back to Narnia, the real world, and they're just still children. So, would the movie have been better off and would Edmund's character been more valuable if he was sacrificed and died in this battle? Not sacrificed, but he died in the battle. If, if he actually died in a battle, then it would have been like, it would have been a better, better fight scene. It would have been less predictable. they like, oh yeah, he, like, who cares if he gets hurt? No, it would have been. It would have just been a better fight scene. His character would have had value in that movie. His all that you've done in this movie was lead him astray, lead the enemies right to their place. Hell, they had to sacrifice Aslan to save him. They had to sacrifice the main dude to save this man, even though like he comes back, whatever. But they had to sacrifice the main dude to save him. And what does he get? He gets stabbed. This it would make sense for him dying for a purpose that he's always wanted to. So it shows that he had a change of heart last second. And he realized where his father realized, and that was with his family. If he died there, it would have been sad, sure. But his character had so much more value than just saying, Oh, I got stabbed. Plot convenience revived me. Pretty much it. Liam Neeson, a.k.a. Asim, did not really deserve that. However, to, if we were to give this movie a rating, I would honestly give it a 5, just for the sole reason of Liam Neeson being Liam Neeson. Other than that, it was, it was an okay story. I mean, it, it, I don't know how... I didn't read the book, so I don't know how much... Um, lore compl- Same here. the lore compliance from actually reading the book to the movie, I don't know how canon it is. I don't know how, you know, I don't know what's been taken out, what has not been Yeah, taken. if I had to rate this movie, I'm giving this thing a three. It, it, CGI was good, but that's really about it. The characters were, had obvious flaws, but not enough obvious flaws to be lovable. They'd stick, they were very predictable. Edmund led them, led them right, right to her. They, he left without safety. He basically went on a suicide mission to, after the beavers were talking about how bad the White Queen was, he went on a suicide mission to the castle, led them straight to Aslan's forces, got Aslan's sacrifice, and then we had all this predictable plot going in between, like, in afterneath. The only thing I legitimately didn't predict in this entire film was Santa Claus giving them weapons. Everything else, me and Justin were, like, talking about the movie, and I'd lean over and I'd say, this thing's gonna happen. And lo and behold, he, he'd do the same thing, and it would happen. The plot was extremely predictable. For a kid's movie, I can see, like, why it would be, like, a coveted film and why people would appreciate it. But from an adult standpoint, or from, like, just a film itself standpoint, the cinematography wasn't even that good. It was literally just good CGI. Well, even then, CGI didn't really hold up well, but it was good for the time. So that's a 2 out of, two out of 10. But I, I'm adding another point because it did have okay points of plot. Like, it, it was predictable, sure, but it was standard for a hero film. So, other than that, other than being predictable and having poorly written characters with poorly written plot, I think this is a well-deserved light, or like a heavy three to a light four. That's what I'm saying. So, overall, we'll just, I guess we'll just give it a three, three and a half on the IMDb scale. Yeah. And this has been Smartest Frail Filmcast, signing off. And next, we're going to be doing Spirited Away. Literally in a couple of seconds. Studio Giblet's project. Yes. Beautiful. All right.
right, I'm about to head out.